You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, August 15th, 2022. Coming up this hour. China's central bank unexpectedly cuts interest rates. U.S.-China relations in focus as a congressional delegation visits Taiwan. The Fed releases minutes of its July policy meeting. And Walmart, Home Depot, and Target lead a busy week for retail earnings. New York Governor Hochul speaks from where author Salman Rushdie was attacked. Plus, New York State is cracking down on speeders, especially this week. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Mets stay hot. They shut out the Phillies. The Yankees slump continue to shut out loss in Boston. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 20 points. Dow futures down 133. And NASDAQ futures down 61. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year treasury up 132nd, yield 2.82%. And the yield on the two-year, 3.25%. John. And Karen, we begin with a surprise out of Asia. China's central bank has unexpectedly cut its key interest rate. That's as fresh data out of China shows its economic slowdown getting worse. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The PBOC cut its one-year rate by 10 basis points to 2.75%. None of the 20 economists polled by Bloomberg expected a change. The move comes as China's economy weakened in July. COVID outbreaks and the property crisis taking a toll. Factory output up 3.8% from a year ago. Retail sales growing 2.7%, while fixed asset investment grew 5.7% in the first seven months of the year. All of those missing estimates. And China's home prices dropped an 11th month in a row. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Brian, thank you. Well, stocks in Asia, meantime, finished mixed after that surprise rate cut from the PBOC. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, John and Karen. Markets in Hong Kong and China struggled for direction after the July activity data was released. While bonds rallied, the yield on China's 10-year note dropping as much as seven basis points, one of its steepest drops since the onset of the pandemic. The offshore yuan fell, along with the Kiwi and Aussie dollars. Japanese shares, though, rallied the Nikkei 225 close to a racing its losses for the year. Markets in South Korea and India were closed. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Juliet. Relations between the U.S. and China in focus once again this morning. A U.S. congressional delegation landed in Taiwan over the weekend. And Bloomberg's Amy Morris has details from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. This delegation is led by Democratic Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts and tests whether China will react more forcefully after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan earlier this month. The delegation is set to meet with Taiwan's president and minister of foreign affairs to discuss bilateral relations, security, trade and investment. The delegation will reaffirm U.S. support for Taiwan. Reuters cited China's embassy, saying this latest visit shows the U.S., quote, does not want to see stability in the region. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., a senior Democrat says he has not seen any evidence that materials the FBI seized from Donald Trump's home were properly declassified. The former president has said the documents were declassified, and his supporters claim he has the power to declassify documents on his own. Adam Schiff is chair of the House Intelligence Committee. The former president has no declassification authority. Right. And the idea that 18 months after the fact, Donald could Trump, Trump could simply announce, well, I'm, you know, uh, retroactively declassifying or whatever I took home had the effect of declassifying them uh, is absurd. Adam Schiff made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. And turning to the economy now, the focus this week comes Wednesday. That's when the Federal Reserve issues minutes of its July policy meeting. Bloomberg's Vinnie Dale Judah says more. The minutes could indicate whether Fed Chair Jerome Powell intended to send a dovish signal at July's post-meeting news conference. Bloomberg Economics is betting he didn't, and it's full speed ahead on lifting interest rates, underpinned by a broad sense among officials that the upside risk to inflation is material. Turning to this week's key economic data, U.S. retail sales may show falling gasoline prices freed up cash for such things as Amazon Prime Day, while rising mortgage rates put a dent in housing starts. Vinny Dell, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Well, retail will also be in focus when it comes to earnings this week. And we get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Walmart and Target led a list of retailers issuing profit warnings last month. This week, they report, along with Home Depot, Lowe's, Kohl's, Macy's, and TJX. Lori Calvacina is head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. We would tell you we're not entirely out of the woods from a market perspective um, in terms of earnings right now, just because if there really is a big macro slowdown coming economically, um, numbers do still need to come down. But I think for the moment, investors are you're just excited about the resilience that we're seeing. Also reporting this week, Agilent Technologies, Analog Devices, Applied Materials, Cisco Systems, and Deere. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Charlie. We had earnings overseas out this weekend. Saudi Aramco posted the biggest quarterly profit of any listed company anywhere. Net income at the Saudi oil giant rose to $48.4 billion in the second quarter. That's up from $25.5 billion a year earlier. 
Well, surging oil prices give a boost to energy companies. John, both oil and gas have come down since their June highs. And U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm says they may fall even further. Bloomberg said Baxter has the details. The caveat, as always, is the instability of the globe. But Granholm says given the $4, depending on region we're seeing now, it should go down even further. We'll probably drop to about $3.78. So we hope that that's true. But again, it can be impacted by what's happening globally. Granholm on CNN says the president is monitoring very closely and will do everything within his power to help. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Ed. Some news on finances out of Russia now. Major Wall Street banks, including J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup, are reportedly offering to facilitate trades in Russian corporate debt and government bonds. Reuters reports the move took place in recent days after guidelines for the U.S. Treasury that allowed U.S. holders to wind down their positions. Ahead of the market open, Dow futures down 135 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Time now for a check on news in New York and around the world. And for that, we say good morning to Bloomberg's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much, sir. An Iranian government official denied today that Tehran was involved in the assault on author Salman Rushdie. The comments from Iran's foreign ministry come after Friday's attack on Rushdie in western New York. New York Governor Kathy Hochul spoke at the site where Rushdie survived last week's knife attack. New York State will always stand up to protect freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and we condemn the cowardly attack on Salman Rushdie. Governor Hochul at the Chautauqua Institution promised freedom will always eclipse hatred and oppression. Rushdie suffered a damaged liver and severed nerves in an arm and an eye. However, he is off a ventilator and is said to be on the road to recovery. His assailant, 24-year-old Hadi Matar of New Jersey, has pleaded not guilty. More details have been disclosed in yesterday's shooting in Jerusalem's old city. Authorities in Israel say a Palestinian gunman opened fire at a bus, wounding several passengers, among them a New York family visiting the country. Three were from Brooklyn, where Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer represents. During a briefing, Schumer shared details he learned about one of the victims. He was very brave. He bent down over his family to protect them. He was shot in the neck, but and they had him on a respirator, but it looks like he will his condition is improving. Senator Schumer says this incident in Jerusalem follows a tense week between Israel and the Palestinians. Don't speed in New York State, especially this week. A week long crackdown to start it, and according to Governor Kathy Hochul, there are countless risks and tragic consequences to speeding. And I want all New Yorkers to be mindful of the speed limits in your area. During last year's crackdown, police gave out 23,000 speeding tickets. Russian President Vladimir Putin offered to expand relations with North Korea, reaching out to his neighbor as the Kremlin scours the globe for weapons for its war in Ukraine. Emmy-winning film and television actor Anne Heche has died of injuries from a fiery crash. A spokeswoman says Heche was peacefully taken off life support. Anne Heche was 53. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you.
And that brings us to 510 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And good morning, John Stashauer. All right, good morning, John. Shutout win for the Mets. Shutout loss for the Yankees. Mets have now won 17 of their last 20 games. The Yankees have lost 9 of 11. At Fenway, they had just two hits, struck out 11 times, fell to the Red Sox. 3 nothing. The Sox win a series within the division for the first time all year. Michael Waka, who had been out since June with an injured shoulder, was dominant. Jamison Tyone took the loss, ending a 2-7 and seven Yankee road trip. Here's Aaron Judge. It's baseball. You know, you're going to go through stretches like this. Um, every, every team does. So it's just about us staying consistent. You know, don't sit on our woes here. Don't hang our head. You know, we're not happy about it, but you know, still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of things you need to improve on and keep working on. They come home for a nine-game homestand, three with Tampa Bay, four with Toronto, and then two with the Mets, who now hit the road for the next ten games, four in Atlanta. Four in Philadelphia. The Mets just threw back-to-back shutouts at the Phillies. Chris Bassett got his tenth win. Four innings to the bullpen. Mets won six to nothing. They are seventy-five and forty. It's first time the Mets have been thirty-five games over five hundred since nineteen eighty-eight. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson headed to L.A. for a knee procedure tomorrow that will determine how long he'll be out. Suffered a bone bruise and a torn meniscus in the preseason opener. Will Zalatoris nearly won the U.S. Open, nearly won the PGA Championship, lost in a playoff. In Memphis, his first career victory came in a playoff and in the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs. NBA announced its Christmas Day schedule. The Knicks, who did not make the playoffs last year, will play on Christmas. They'll host Philadelphia. The Nets, who might trade Kevin Durant, did not make the Christmas Day schedule. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks very much. And ahead of the market open this Monday morning, we have Dow Futures right now down 127 points. That's a decline of four-tenths of a percent. The S&B E-mini futures down 20 points, down half a percent. NASDAQ futures right now 61 points lower. That is down half a percent. And in London, the FTSE up two-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg. Just ahead, was it a bear market rally? We'll get you set up for the trading day ahead with economist Dennis Gartman, chair of the University of Akron Endowment Fund. This is Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are slipping this morning, and commodities from oil to iron ore are falling as disappointing data from China further clouds the outlook for the global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 19 points, Dow futures down 129, and NASDAQ futures down 62. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 2.82 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.25 percent. NYMEX Crude oil is down 3% on $2.78 at $89.28 a barrel. Comex gold down 9 tenths percent or $16.70 is $17.98.80 an ounce. The euro 1.0203 against the dollar. British pound 1.2062 and the yen 133.31. And looking at Bitcoin this morning down one and a quarter percent at $24,016. As a Bloomberg business flash, now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. A U.S. congressional delegation led by Senator Ed Markey landed in Taiwan Sunday for a two-day visit. 
with Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen, angering China. They are expected to discuss bilateral relations, regional security, trade and investment, climate change, and other issues. The FBI is facing an unprecedented number of threats after searching former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate and seizing boxes of White House documents that included some classified material. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Yankees 3-0. The Mets shut out the Phillies 6 zip The Nationals and Orioles lost. The A's lost to the Astros 6-3. The Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. 520 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, the contracts on the uh, S&P 500, NASDAQ uh, futures right now blurred lower, suggesting last week's stocks rally may cool. Let's get you set up for the trading day ahead now. We're joined by economist Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Fund, former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Happy Monday, Dennis. We learned Thank this morning know. of the surprise rate cut in the world's second largest economy. Does that indicate things are worse than thought in China? And maybe more importantly, for those listening, does it result in significant spillover to markets elsewhere? Well, it's spilling over as we as we speak, no question about it. And the numbers were up for month on month and, and quarter on quarter, but well below expectations. And uh, the 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 central bank of China surprised everybody by cutting the uh, seven day and one year uh, overnight funds rates by ten basis points, which indicate that the economy is doing a good deal less surprisingly well than people had anticipated. So you've got uh, the, the central bank having to move already. It's taken the, the renminbi down with it. It's taken stock prices down with it. And you've had a huge rally, uh, rather surprising to me, to be quite honest, that we've had as, as strong a rally in the United States stock market as we've had, or in the global stock markets generally. Uh, as the chairman of the University of Akron's endowment, I had us move about 12% of our, our portfolio out at the end of the year, and we've got a quarterly meeting coming this week, and I'm actually going to think about uh, moving the committee or re- recommending to the committee that we cut another 2 or 3% out of our portfolio on this rally. So I think that we've probably – I think this has been a bull market or a bear market rally, nothing more than that. Uh, and I think that we're probably going to test the lows that we made back in June or July uh, before the before the, the year is over. So I'm, I'm, I'm bearish on this rally that we've had in, in, in equity here in the United States. What about the foundations? Are there shallow foundations for that, that rally? Well, clearly the, the, the Fed has been expansionary thus far, and, and one, of the, one of the concerns has been <coughs> – excuse me – one of the concerns has been that the Fed will be cutting its assets from $9.2 trillion, $9. trillion to something – 95, 95, 90 to 95 billion dollars less each month. Just, uh, Dennis, get a, get a glass of water. I'm just going to do the futures real quick, uh, while you, uh, take a drink of water there. Dow futures right now down to 149. The S&P E-mini futures 22 points lower than NASDAQ futures 66 points lower. So, uh, uh again, if, uh, you just want to pick up on the, the thoughts that they, yeah. you have there. Uh, the, the, the problem has been that the Fed has been expansionary with its asset base for a long period of time and, and has promised that it would be cutting $95 billion out of its asset base over the course of the next several years. Actually, what they've been doing is cutting demonstrably less than that, so there's been more fuel to the fire that, than I had anticipated, less, uh, less QT than we had, than, than had been led, we had been led to believe. 
and that has been the fuel for the fire. Now, now with the, the Fed having no choice but to become less expansionary, become contractionary, that's going to be deleterious to share prices, and I think that this has been a bear market rally, nothing more than that. Watch what volume has been like. Volume has tended to be down on up days and up on down days. That tends to be bearish in, in, from a technical circumstance. So I'm going to be uh, becoming less uh, involved in stocks over the course of the next several months, believing that this has been really nothing more than a good, strong, volatile, and surprising, let's be blunt, bull market or bear market rally and nothing more than that. Okay, where are you going to go then? To cash. Cash is probably the great thing to be in right now. Two year, to me, two-year notes is, is the equivalent to cash. Yeah, the other thing to be concerned about is the fact that the over, the that the uh, uh, the inversion in the, in the uh, bond market has been we're back over 42 basis points. I think they're going to take the inversion twos to tens to 80 basis points before this is done, as the Fed becomes as the Fed embraces QT rather than QE, and they have no choice but to do so. So inflationary pressures remain. The Fed has to remain contractionary over the course of the next several years. The uh, the yield curve is going to become inverted. And stock prices, I think, are going to have, have had a nice, good, strong rally, but I think that's the end of it. So go to cash. Two-year notes above 3% is a, is a great place to be right now. No question about that. When will it be safe to dip your toe in the water again? You've got 30 seconds. When we test the lows that were made in June and July, and I think that that's going to be before the year end. Dennis, always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Economist Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Fund, uh, former publisher of the Gartman Letter. As we speak right now, again, the futures are lower this morning. Dennis uh, mentioned the uh, two tens, the inversion there, uh, down 43 basis points. You have the twos at 325, the 10-year yield right now, the benchmark at 282. And again, Dow futures 153 points lower. That's down half a percent after the surprise rate cut from the People's Bank of China. S&P futures right now 22 points lower. That's down a half a percent. And the Nasdaq futures down 67 points. That is down half a percent. Just ahead, our top headlines. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from Rob Carolyn, partly sunny today, the high temperature 80 to 85, mostly cloudy tonight, low 65 to 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, highs again in the mid-80s. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with a surprise out of Asia. China's central bank unexpectedly cut its key interest rate 10 basis points after data showed July retail sales, investment, and industrial output missing estimates. Bloomberg's Enda Curran says it all signals trouble for the Chinese economy. All of his data was weak. But the reason it's especially concerning is because July was meant to be the good month. July was meant to be the, th- the month when things picked up a bit of momentum again. The third quarter was supposed to be better than the second quarter and all the rest of it. But, of course, this now underscores just how much pressure China's economy is actually under. 
Bloomberg's Enda Curran says the rate cut shows how concerned Chinese officials are about the deepening economic slowdown. And back here in the U.S., we get a couple of key data points about uh, the economy this week. July's Fed minutes and retail sales, they're going to be released on Wednesday. Well, John, China and U.S. relations are in focus once again this morning as another U.S. congressional delegation has landed in Taiwan. It's led by Democratic Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts. The delegation is set to meet with Taiwan's president and minister of foreign affairs and will reaffirm U.S. support for Taiwan. Back in Washington, a senior Democrat says he hasn't seen any evidence that materials the FBI sees from Donald Trump's home were properly declassified. Last week, the former president said the documents were all declassified. Adam Schiff is the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, says it's absurd the president could retroactively declassify materials. Anyone in the intelligence community that had uh, documents like that, they would be under serious investigation. Adam Schiff made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, to oil now, John, first overseas, Saudi Aramco posted the biggest quarterly profit of any listed company anywhere, with net income rising to $48.4 billion in the second quarter. While surging oil prices propelled Aramco results last quarter, both oil and gas have come down since their June highs. And Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm tells CNN they may fall even further. The price in the fourth quarter of this year per gallon will probably drop to about $3.78. We hope that that's true. Energy Secretary Granholm says gas prices could still be volatile, though, if they are impacted by geopolitical events. Right now, futures are lower. S&P futures down 22 points. Dow futures down 153. And NASDAQ futures are down about 72. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Author Salman Rushdie is off a ventilator and is said to be on the road to recovery. New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, called the stabbing of Rushdie allegedly carried out by a 24-year-old New Jersey man, quote, cowardly. Hochul in western New York spoke at the site where Rushdie survived the knife attack on Friday. We condemn any individual or any group that dare violate the sanctity of a place like Chautauqua or to an attempt an assassination on a world leader. That cannot happen in New York. We're standing up. Hochul at the Chautauqua Institution says we will always defend, quote, freedom of expression and freedom of speech. We're learning more details about yesterday's shooting in Jerusalem's old city. Authorities in Israel say a Palestinian gunman opened fire at a bus, wounding several passengers. Among them, three people were Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer represents. It hits close to home. Three of the families, three of those who were shot were American and from Brooklyn, from Williamsburg. Senator Schumer says one of the victims wounded is improving. Russian President Vladimir Putin has vowed to expand relations with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. The move may complicate President Joe Biden's push to isolate North Korea. Putin sent a congratulatory message to North Korea for its Liberation Day holiday today, marking the end of Japan's 1910 to 1945 colonial rule over the Korean Peninsula. New York State is cracking down on speeders. 
Governor Kathy Ockel says this enforcement campaign will be crucial not only to catch speeders, but also to encourage all drivers to maintain safe speeds on our roadways. And I encourage all New Yorkers to take your time and get to your destination safely. Last year, about 23,000 tickets were handed out during the crackdown period. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. And it's now 535 on Wall Street. That is time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. Yankee Red Sox games usually tend to drag on, sometimes for over four hours. Last night at Fenway, a crisp two hours, 15 minutes tied for the shortest game between the two teams since 1994. Sox won 3-0. Yanks managed just two hits against Michael Waka, who hadn't pitched since June due to a shoulder injury. Tommy Pham, who had the walk-off hit on Friday, out-hit the Yanks by himself. He had three hits. Rafi Devers, a two-run homer off loser, Jamison Tyone. So the Yankee tailspin continues, a 2-7. and seven road trip nine losses the last 11 games no back-to-back wins since july still a 10-game division lead but now two and a half games behind houston for best record in the american league the yankees are home tonight for tampa bay the mets are in atlanta they lead the braves by five and a half the mets with a second straight shutout of the phillies six to nothing chris bassett and four relievers combined to beat ex-met zach wheeler a home run for daniel vogelback and francisco lindor Broke Jose Reyes' record for RBIs by a Mets shortstop. Mets have won 17 out of 20. They have 40 home wins. That's as many as overall losses. 35 games over 500 for the first time since 1988. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, who went down to the preseason opener, will have minor knee surgery tomorrow. The feeling is out two to four weeks. Coach Rob Salah was asked about not rushing him back for the season opener. I think that's all going to depend on what happens here with the surgery. And uh, what, and the feedback we get from the doctors, working with Zuff and, all, and gathering all the information before we even come remotely close to making that decision. But uh, but yeah, that, that that's that's all valid and something that we'll all talk about once we get all the information we need. That's that veteran Joe Flacco as well as David White. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. And that's time for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. St. John's University will close its Staten Island campus in the spring of 2024. Spectrum News 1 says freshmen will not be admitted in the fall of 2023. In the fall of 2000, there were 2,300 students enrolled on the Staten Island campus. In the fall of 2021, there were only 861. Jollibee, a Filipino fried chicken restaurant chain owned by Jollibee Foods, says its new Times Square restaurant opens this week. It's located at 1500 Broadway. It'll open on Thursday. It'll feature some items available only in New York ahead of a nationwide rollout later this year. Federal investigators are looking into the death of an Amazon worker and an injury that potentially led to the death of another employee. Probe is already underway following a fatality during the company's annual Prime Day shopping event in mid-July. Insurance Journal says the deaths occurred in New Jersey. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. And it's now 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. 
I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Meat packers are signaling an end to record beef prices with smaller herds. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that Trader Joe's employees at a local store have voted to unionize. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KMOX in St. Louis, I'll be reporting on DoorDash, delivering more than just food. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the opposition Labour Party's plans to freeze energy prices for UK households. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting cannabis businesses that want to set up recreational use shops in the city are facing more delays. And those are some of these stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. One year ago, Afghanistan fell to the Taliban, in part because the U.S. had hoped for the best without preparing for the worst. In dealing with the Taliban today, President Joe Biden can afford no such illusions. The U.S. needs to take a pragmatic approach to further engagement. Its top priority should be preventing Afghanistan from again becoming a base for terrorist attacks. It's also in U.S. interests to avert a humanitarian disaster in Afghanistan and to bring Afghans who qualify for so-called special immigrant visas to the U.S. as quickly as possible. Such an agenda is admittedly limited, but simply forestalling the worst would be no small achievement. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers, you can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. Well, it's a risk-off Monday. Dow futures 159 points lower. The S&P E-mini futures are down 24, and the Nasdaq futures right now down 78 points. The Bloomberg weather for meteorologist Rob Carolyn, partly sunny today. The high temperature, 80 to 85. Clouds roll in tonight, low 65 to 70. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow, highs again in the mid-80s. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are slipping this morning in commodities from oil to iron ore falling. As disappointing data from China further clouds the outlook for the global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 22 points. Dow futures down 141. And Nasdaq futures down 68. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd. Yield 2.82%. Yield on the two-year 3.25%. NYMEX crude oil is is down 3.7%, down $3.44 at $88.64 a barrel. Comex Gold is down 1.1% or $20.60 at $17.94.90 an ounce. The Euro, 1.0197 against the dollar. British Pound, 1.2068. And the Yen, 133.39. And Bitcoin is down 9 tenths percent at $24,090. 
That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. China has announced more military drills around Taiwan as the island's president met with members of a new U.S. congressional delegation. The visit came less than two weeks after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. China regards formal contacts between U.S. politicians and the island's government as support for its independence from Beijing. The Taliban is declaring today Victory Day in Afghanistan, marking one year since their return to power. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Yankees 3-0. The Mets shut out the Phillies 6-zip. The Nationals and Orioles lost. The A's lost to the Astros 6-3. The Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is 549 on Wall Street. Senate Intelligence Committee leaders made a bipartisan request to the U.S. government for classified documents that the FBI seized from former President Trump's home. This all signals growing pressure from lawmakers for details on the materials. It's just the latest reverberation from the August 9th FBI search at Trump's resort. Let's take a deeper dive into the implications here. We are joined by Professor Wendy Schiller, the director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Uh, does this open a new political front for the midterms, Wendy? Uh, I think it does. I think Republicans uh, uh, understand that they had a really good picture, you know, a couple of months ago going into the midterms. Their picture is still pretty good on the House side. But on the Senate side, I think it's much tougher, much closer. And anything on the margin that can make sure to get their base out, they're going to try to take advantage of. So, you know, really, and it's true, you're, you're raiding a former president's home. We haven't really seen that before. Uh, and people want to know why. What was so important about these particular documents? Why? Why was it so wrong for uh, uh, former President Trump and or his staff to remove them from the White House? This does require additional explanation. Um, you don't have to really detail all of the things the FBI are doing. But, you know, if this threatened national security, then, you know, the Senate, the House, they have to know. Uh, and But the Republican senators will use this really in every way to say it's an overreach, this is political. This is Biden going after Trump. Uh, of course, they're going to do that, particularly now we're getting closer to Labor Day. And we all know once Labor Day hits, you know, the election really begins in earnest. Uh, does it make any difference to uh, the decision by the former president whether or not to run again? Uh, no, I don't think anything really stops Donald Trump from running, even if he's uh, arrested and uh, indicted. Uh, he'll, you know, he'll find ways to delay and he'll find ways to run. You know, he lives on the oxygen that attention uh, gives him. He also is raising a tremendous amount of money that partially helps support his activities and his lifestyle. So he's not going to give that up unless somebody else pushes him out of, you know, the arena. Uh, and that's going to happen ultimately in early spring or winter, early spring of 23, as Republicans gear up to figure out who's going to run for president. But it's not going to happen yet. So uh, I don't think anything, you know, makes him go away. The problem for the Republicans is that suburban independent voters and suburban Republicans rejected Donald Trump in 2020. And some of them rejected him in 2018. There's no reason not to think they'll reject him again. And, in fact, we're, sh we're seeing signs that this is starting to mobilize Democratic voters who might have been a little more apathetic, more discouraged. But the prospect of a Republican Party dominated by Donald Trump running the Congress, I think, can also motivate uh, Democrats on the margin.
and make these races more competitive, particularly at the Senate level, because these Senate candidates were anointed by Trump. J.D. Vance, for example, in Ohio, um, then at Oz in Pennsylvania. And because they're so associated with Trump, Democrats see a, a big opportunity there. Well, Democrats are requesting a uh, damage assessment. Are they trying to make political hay out of this? Maybe that's a cynical question. Or is there truly damage to be assessed? I think there is a genuine fear that Trump will gain so much momentum among the base in the Republican Party that he could be the nominee in 2024, and that would be extraordinarily destabilizing for the democracy in terms of election security, in terms of elections, uh, faith in systems. I mean, I, I think there's a genuine fear. I think we saw with January 6th commission and committee in the House and Liz Cheney, who may very well lose her seat over this, like a lot of other Republicans who opposed Trump uh, this year in primaries, that, you know, the fear is, as even conservative media have said, that he's not fit to serve an elected office again. So I don't think it's just partisan politics, but it does benefit both parties uh, to have him in the spotlight, and uh, he knows that himself. Uh, Tomorrow we have primary races, Wyoming and Alaska, I believe. Can you give me an assessment from, from your view of what we've learned from the primaries so far? I think we've learned uh, that some of us, including myself, probably underestimated the grip that Donald Trump would have on the Republican Party long after he left office. Um, you know, to have the former president influence the midterm elections uh, is, is unprecedented in the last 25 years, really, in this way, uh, particularly in commanding a base that votes in primaries. Uh, the problem is now the images of his supporters armed to the teeth, you know, surrounding FBI offices or attacking FBI offices, that image is it might possibly be the thing that breaks the Trump hold on elections. If enough people get out and say, that's not the kind of country we want to live in, we don't want this, we don't want you, if some of his candidates, particularly for Senate, lose in 2022, then I think his chances going into 24 really diminish. So it's a gamble, but I think it's it's a gamble he's certainly willing to take because he has nothing to lose. Wendy, always a pleasure. Appreciate it this morning. Professor Wendy Schiller, director of the Talman Center for American Politics and Policy, at Brown University. Karen. Tom, thank you. It is 554 on Wall Street. We turn now to a legal story we're watching this morning. Musician Kalish claims that she was not properly credited on one track of Beyonce's new album, Renaissance. The track Energy included an interpolation, a piece uh, included a piece of an existing composition that's borrowed and re-recorded of the 2003 R&B dance hit Milkshake. And Kelis was credited for being the performer of Milkshake, but not for being one of the songwriters. After the controversy, Beyonce removed that interpolation from the track, and the situation is a warning to emerging artists who could find they're locked out of lucrative royalties if they don't secure the credit for their contributions up front. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Robert Clarida, who heads the intellectual property practice at Reitler, Kalis, and Rosenblatt. It doesn't seem like Beyonce did anything wrong here. I mean, I can certainly imagine that if the song on the Kalis record was credited to Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo, and they say to Beyonce, sure, you can use it, if I were on Beyonce's team, I would say, okay, we've got the writer's permission here, we're fine. And they would put the credit on the record accordingly. I mean, if there is some kind of backstory that the credits on the Khalees track were not accurate, how is Beyonce going to know that? I mean, you know, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo presumably would know that if that were the case. But Beyonce wouldn't know that necessarily. So I'm not sure that Beyonce did anything wrong here other than taking somebody's word for something. And to the extent that someone on her team had looked up 
the credits on the Khalees record, they would have seen those two names on it, and they would have had no reason to think there was a red flag there about anything. Khalees said she took part in the writing. It was supposed to be 33-33-33. Do young artists have to get a lawyer to make sure their rights are protected when they're involved in projects like this? They need to have someone with some industry experience, whether it's a manager or a lawyer. You know, the actual title doesn't much matter, but it has to be somebody with some industry experience who can know sort of what the pitfalls are. And that's often not the case, particularly when artists are first starting out. I'm not familiar with Kalisa's career. I don't know how many records she had made previously. Maybe she had a lot of experience in the industry. But it seems in that case that if she did participate in the writing of the song, and it was her understanding that it would be one-third splits all around, there should have been a piece of paper somewhere, and someone representing her should have made sure that there was a piece of paper somewhere that set that out, that that's what the splits would be. Oftentimes, that's handled in a very kind of you know quick and dirty way with what they call a split sheet. At the recording session, somebody will just memorialize what the splits are for a particular song, and maybe that was done, maybe it wasn't done. But there should be a piece of paper that's actually got signatures on it and has some legal enforceability in order to prevent this sort of thing happening. And that's Robert Claret of Reitler, Kalis, and Rosenblatt speaking with Bloomberg's Jim Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Again, futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures are down about 21 points. Dow futures down 140 and NASDAQ futures are down 55. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.